Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the About to Review podcast. This is your host, that guy named John, and you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. I am joined on this episode uh, via via a device and not in the studio because it is late. So it's welcome, late. Yeah, welcome to late. the show, Tim Hall, the People's Critic. Hey, it's good to be back. It's late. I'm literally laying on my couch watching Final Destination. Oh, gosh. Which one? The first one. Oh, all right. <laughs> that, that, that I mean, is... Listen, I, wa- I watch them all, honestly. I don't I don't discriminate against those movies. They're pretty fun. They're, uh, I remember the first one. Like it was, it was fun and ridiculous, and then after that, they just went off the rails. Oh, absolutely. When they did the, um, the race car track one. Oh they're, yeah, they're a NASCAR. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, it was pretty good because I always like seeing how people die and then like they have to run it back and die in some even more bizarre ways. Like they die crazy at first and then they they live because it's a dream or whatever, and they die even crazier, you know, in real life. <laughs> the best. Yeah. Okay. You know, here's a question: Do you think that franchise is dead? No, you can all you can just keep killing people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just keep coming up with inventive ways to murder people. And and no one cares about teenagers. You can always – and here's the thing. We, we find teenagers to be annoying. Mm-hmm, so you just true. find ways to kill them. Where everyone seems to be okay with that. Like there's that one where uh, the one guy has the great idea that he's going to kill someone because, you know, there's like death has a list or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to kill someone and stop it. And I was like, yo, how come no one came up with this sooner? Like, what a great idea. <laughs> if, if, it was this, I'm gonna, if it was this game where we could bargain – I'm going to murder somebody so that I don't die. Seems like a natural human response. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the movies are fun. I think okay. the second one is probably my favorite. I Oh, man, I've not seen those first or second one in a long time. <laughs> you got to watch them annually. Just, just you know, put them in, watch them, get a good laugh. All right. I will take your word for it. Uh, on this episode, we're not going to be talking about uh, crappy movies from the, the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> Uh, we will be talking about uh, three different films uh, because the Seattle International Film Festival, or SIF, is still going on and it is still going strong. They just announced some awards, so you will get to see some of the films again playing at the festival in a couple weeks. So I'm going to be talking about a film that I watched called The Paris Opera that unfortunately Tim was unable to to check out during the festival. Uh, and then... Tim and I, we will be talking about It Comes at Night, the new film by A24. And then we will be talking about the new one where Tom Cruise is running, The Mummy. <laughs> yeah, The Mummy. Yeah. The so, first film in Universal shared uh, Monster Universe. Dark Universe. That dark is, Universe. That's so, very true. So spooky. Or, or something like that. But we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so at the top of the show... So the movie from SIF that I saw called The Paris Opera, and shocking, this is from Paris. Uh, it is directed by Jean-Stéphane Braun, which, man, I am sorry if I butchered that, but I think it was close. This movie, it basically, it is a documentary from Paris that uh, is in French, English, Russian, and German. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. But basically, it is a behind-the-scenes look at one season of the Paris Opera under the direction of Stéphane Lisner. And anybody who has 
ever done, even if you remember doing a play in like mm -hmm. middle school, this documentary is a great channel for that because of the way it was filmed. And I mean, I have to give credit to the director, Jean-Stéphane Braun. This is the type of docu documentary filmmaking where there's not a lot of exposition. There's not a lot of kind of title cards and everything. It is that fly on the wall style of documentary, which is right. awesome. And especially for theater, it just, it was a great way to portray this type of documentary. Um, Tim, I can't remember. Have you done theater before? <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that was no, not your calling. Not. No, it was not my calling in life. Not <laughs> at all. I know a lot of people who have a lot of some of my friends have. I, I never have. My question for I always have a question about about documentaries that I like or that are good. Mm -hmm. Is it is it a documentary that's specifically for this one? Is it for people who love documentaries or is it is it for people who love theater or both? Yeah, and that is that is a really good question because I think it falls into the both category. And I say that because I mean I have talked about it on episodes before. I pretty much spent my life on stage, whether it was you know, on stage, in the wings, you know, helping out. So I I came to this and I was excited for it because of that, but I also love documentaries. So this is something where I think anybody who likes documentaries could enjoy it. I think people who have an experience or experiences within a theater are, are really going to to understand it and and get maybe a slightly more enjoyment out of it. Yeah, but what it, so you get more out of it if you if you really if you've been in theater like in high school or college. I think so because the thing that this does, there is a scene where uh, the the choir director or the choral director who also directs so many other aspects of this because the Paris Opera is huge. I mean, this is such a massive, massive opera company that encompasses a full orchestra a full series of dancers, like a full ballet company, as well as actors. I mean, this this is a huge production. Man, how many people are in that? A lot. A lot. They, they did not give numbers, but it was a ton. <laughs> and so in some of these, you could kind of look at this or expect it to be kind of this glitzy view into the world of the Paris Opera but it really kind of digs deep. And at one point, the director is telling the dancers or the uh, the performers to do a certain thing, to line up in a certain way. And the performers are like, well, no, because we should do it this way. And it sounds better when you do it this way. And he was like, listen, do it this way. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I don't know. But, oh, no. But that is what anybody who has worked with actors <laughs> That is what happens, especially when it comes to theater. So seeing that part of the theater also, anybody like we know those type of people who are behind the scenes saying things like that and that type of drama that can really, right. you know, make or break a theater company, no matter what the production, no matter what scale of the production. So I liked that it was not just that kind of top down perspective of this is a world-famous and world-class 
opera company. Look how great everybody is. It was, this is a world-class, world-famous opera. People have some real issues. Mm-hmm. So, wow. and the the nice thing also, and I think, you know, kind of going back to your question, the the conduit for a lot of this documentary comes through one of the new members of the cast or of the company, uh, this young Russian opera singer, uh, Michael Timoshenko. So he signs on for this two-year contract. The way that the camera follows him and the way that you is, is kind of looking over his shoulder as he is experiencing the Paris opera and what it means to be part of the Paris opera, the light in his eyes that we get to follow throughout the film is incredible because it just, you get to see it from his almost point of view and that awe and that wonder of, you know, he just signed this contract with a huge opera company that he gets to be a part of. And he is still realizing that as he is in it was, was just a really great way to show it, show it to the, us, the audience. Hmm. It sounds interesting. Yeah. So I could I could talk a lot about uh, this film, but I will I'll keep it relatively short because, again, it is very late. Uh, (laughs) But uh, just like with all films that we will talk about that I talk about on every episode, uh, the rating system of this of this podcast is good, bad or ugly. And that goes across the board, no matter what is getting reviewed. A good film you really enjoyed. Recommended to a friend, bad film, eh, did not really enjoy, but it was not terrible. Ugly film, avoid at all costs. Uh, So my official rating for the Paris Opera from 2017 from Paris, France, director Jean-Stéphane Braun is absolutely a good. I think people who like documentaries will like this. Anybody who has been a part of a theater company, no matter how big or how small, I think we'll really enjoy this. All right. So, Tim, even though you were never part of a theater company, uh, <laughs> never you need, you need to check this out because it might just it might give you that spark. Is it too late to join? I want to I want to join like a little kids theater company and just dominate. <laughs> just to me, go yeah, me and a bunch Den- of seven. Oh man, just killing it. Some killing Denzel it. monologues and outacting all them little kids. They can't deal with me. <laughs> uh, I want to see that. I would absolutely yeah, see that. Absolutely, yeah. We can, we can redo, you know, we can do a bunch of, you know, kids' plays, but I can have my lines memorized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good. Be the biggest person there. Absolutely, yeah. Sounds like a plan. I'm down for yeah. it. Okay, this is Seattle. We have about 50 theater companies in Seattle, oh, so. Look, I'm just going to join a kids' theater company and just be the best actor there. We can make that happen. <laughs> so you know, I'll be on, I'll be on Disney playing uh, playing some Trevor O'Kid. <laughs> that would be like back on the 90210 days. I know they're all in their 30s playing high school kids. Yeah, easy. And I was like, mm, hanging out at the peach pit with some 40-year-olds? Come on now. Yeah, right. <laughs> People with, with 401ks mm-hmm. playing, playing little kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, that was the Paris Opera. Uh, moving right along to uh, the studio that Tim and I love pretty much every single thing they do, uh, A24, their new film, it comes at night. Tim, set this one up for us. Oh, it comes at night. You know, like like John just said, it's the latest offering from 
one of my favorite studios, A24. It's about a family. Well, they don't really explain. Like there's some mm-hmm. something, some virus or some plague is spreading. So this family's out in the forest in this house that's kind of boarded up. It looks like a like no one lives there, mm-hmm. but they're kind of hiding from the rest of civilization. And they've got all these rules in their house. And one of the rules is not to open this door. It's you know it's, it's the way in and out of the home. They don't go out and not alone. Uh, they, don't, they don't go out and not at all. They don't leave the house. They do go outside to go in pairs for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's Joel Edgerton who plays the father named Paul. Uh, Carmen Ijogo is the mother Sarah, and their son Travis played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. And they have a dog. And I don't even remember the dog's name. Uh, I do not remember the dog's name either. <laughs> Dog had a name though, so they had a dog. <laughs> anyway, one night they hear they hear uh, um, uh, a noise in there. So there's like the door that leads outside. There's like a weird like area in between the door. Yeah, and there's the kind of like a, like a like a decontamination yeah uh, part. Like you would see, you know, in some lab where that first room yeah, yeah, in yeah. is covered in plastic. It, it looked like someone was like working on something in there, like putting up something. So I don't know. So anyway, they hear a noise in there, and it's it's this guy named Will who was looking for water for his family. He says he's got he stayed with his brother, and something happened to his brother, but he's got a wife and a son, and you know he he needs water to help him, and he's got food and he can trade. So so Paul and Sarah decide, hey, let's bring Will and his family to the house. And the strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. If he knows we're here, other people will find us, and we're better as a team. And the more people we have working together, the better we'll be. Blah 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 blah. So when they get to the house, uh, things they it's it's essentially two fathers doing what they think is best to take care of their family. Mm-hmm. And things sort of one night the door is open and no one knows why, and things sort of fall apart at that point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you left out a somewhat critical. Oh no! Uh, what car- character? Who? Uh, the dad, or oh, gra- yeah, grandpa? I should say. Grandpa. Um, so in the, in the beginning of the film, we get introduced to the grandpa, who is the only person we see kind of afflicted by this thing that we do not know about in the beginning. Yeah, it's like boils and like black stuff in their mouth and it's pretty gross yeah definitely gross but it never really kind of goes into it in that in that beginning part which again i I really like a24's way of telling stories right in that they are not spoon feeding you everything no no yeah and the film does a really good job of that and um i will say for starters it's not really a horror movie okay thank you that was that was going to be one of my questions It's really weird that, you know, especially after seeing it, you see all these promos and um, a lot of the pictures they're showing are from like dream sequences. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like a lot of the imagery that, that you're seeing in advertisement, they're dream sequences, which, you know, Travis is it's, he's kind of the main character that the film focuses on, which you would have no idea from watching the trailer. Yep, absolutely. But it's, it's, it's kind of his journey. And he's having these dreams, dreams about Will's wife, dreams about his, his grandfather who passed, uh, just these weird things that he's happening so and, and they're creepy because he's having mm-hmm. nightmares obviously sure. and so that's the imagery we're getting for promotion for this film but the film's really about you know like i was saying in my review it, it reminds me of like the walking dead you know mm-hmm. as season one and two where it's essentially not about the zombies it's kind of about like things people are willing to do to survive mm-hmm. and how 
like when th- when things fall apart in this home, it's really about a level of trust that they just don't have for people. And this idea that like, you know, if A equals B, then that equals C, D, E, and F, right? So you're, you're taking all these leaps based on one assumption, whether you have proof of it or not, because of how fragile the world is, you can't afford to be wrong about something. Mm-hmm. You'd rather err on the side <laughs> of caution. And, you know, and that error is people doing very heinous things to each other because they feel like I have to do what I have to do to protect mine. Absolutely. The movie, it's, just, it's, it's really just about that. Like the, the tagline for the movie is like fear turns men into monsters. And that's what the film's about. It's mm-hmm. about the fear that people carry and, and how it turns them into monsters. And like you said, the, the only time we really see anyone affected by it is the grandfather. Yet everyone else in the film carries this fear that this could be them. They act because of it. They do crazy things because of it. Mm-hmm. They create these weird moral gray areas that allow them to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do. But it allows them, because of the, the situation and whatever's happening in the world, it allows them to justify it, right? There's that scene where they run into those guys, and they just mm-hmm. try to murder each other. And yeah. you, you don't know why it's happening. <laughs> you don't know if they want to kill them. You don't know if it's they want their car. You don't know if they want resources. It's just a shootout and there's really no conversation they just they get at each other and that's kind of the world they're in and i did like that uh one of the things that this does a lot is it kind of starts to when when somebody uh when what was his name uh uh, all right when will you know is is telling his story you know before they take him in Right. And at one point, Paul is listening to it and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, and you have this human interaction, this human connection until Paul hears something that Will says that immediately makes him start distrusting everything that this has said. So there's that baseline distrust of of everything in the world that is going on. Paul was like, "Uh, I thought you said this and this. Right. I mean, he's clearly lying. Mm-hmm. But you don't know if he's lying because I'm willing to say whatever because I'm trying to survive, or mm-hmm. if he's lying because he had some other plans in play. But yeah. if you're if you're Paul, you don't have the time to figure out why he like. Now we could like if you lied to me, I could be like, well, why is John lying to me? Mm-hmm. And figure out why he lied to me. Um, but in that situation, in this post-apocalyptic world, you don't have time to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you lied to me? Well, maybe you lied about everything else, and maybe I just need to kill you. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, people take that leap. Uh, I thought the film was its really intense. It's not scary. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not boring at all. There's a lot of action, especially during the last sort of act. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some, and it's just, it's really depressing. Yeah, this, I mean. It's incredibly depressing. One of the things that I said uh, after the film, you know, when all of us, you know, are walking out and, and I was like, okay, I think I need to go watch Schindler's list to cheer up. Yeah. It's pretty depressing. Like, and it, it reminded me of, you know, another film like the road, right? Exactly. This, this post-apocalyptic world that nothing is really explained as far as what happened. How did it get to this? But I like that because again, for them to take 30 minutes of the film and be like, this happened here on this date. And then it, right. who cares? That is why they had to come up with a whole different show called fear of the walking dead to try and explain uh, what happened to the walking dead. But yeah. I like with this, they're just like, this is the situation. 
that we know of right now, go for it. Just, you know, be be a part of that journey. And yeah, again, I, I got to agree with you that they kept billing this as the greatest, yeah. like the horror movie of the year. And it was like, yeah, it's not even a horror. Like nothing comes at night. Nothing happens at night. Like, well, and that was the thing is like the, the creepiest parts of the movie are kind of in a dream sequence, the most disturbing imagery, some of which you can already see in some of the ads. And that right. bothered me. Cause it was like, luckily I had missed those um, before I saw the movie, saw the movie. But then of course, because of Facebook's, targeting ads putting on my conspiracy brother hat right now uh, nah. i started seeing all these ads for it and i was like wait why is this the picture that they're choosing yeah, it, to it's show? really weird it's really weird to watch now you're like that's an odd choice i think you know for fans of horror if they go see it they're going to be disappointed oh for sure right? there's no, and then there's also there's no like villain there's no like i'm a bad person in the film it's just people making really hard decisions mm-hmm. uh to save themselves and I don't feel like anyone who makes a bad decision in this film gets off on it. I think they're all emotionally scarred by it, and that's what makes it so depressing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like, oh, I'm going on a, a killing spree. It's not that. <laughs> no. No, they're, they're definitely – and I think that that line between antagonist and protagonist, right. when you never really know. I mean, who knows? Paul could turn out to be some psychopath you know, living yeah. out there, and nothing actually could be the problem. Right, exactly. You know, you, you know, some it, weird survivalist guy living in the house. Exactly. Uh, one thing, and this is, I would not even say a spoiler necessarily. Uh oh. But spoiler in, in any film like this, set in this type of post-apocalyptic whatever, right. as soon as I see a family with a dog, I'm oh, like, you know, oh, like, yeah. oh man, that dog is not gonna make it. That dog don't survive the apocalypse very long. No. And so I was I was worried about that from the jump. I will not say what happens, but I was right to be worried. Yeah, you should be. Um, one of the other things that I really really enjoyed about this film that I keep feeling like, and I I mean we keep talking about a twenty four because it is amazing, you know, this distribution company. But the the films that they choose to distribute, they tend to share a lot of the same. Themes. And one of the things that the director of this film, Trey Edward Schultz, did are these long, consistent, steady cam shots. Or not steady cam shots, but long shots where there's a scene where uh, Will is tied up to a tree. And Paul and him are having this conversation. This scene goes on for like five minutes. And the camera is just slowly but consistently going back at, back and forth between them, pulling out, going back in, all in one shot. Those types of moments absolutely draw you in because it is not that quick cut to them, quick cut to this person. It just kind of like, it makes you feel a part of it. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, the, the beauty, that's what I think I enjoy about A24 as a studio. I mean, it's an independent studio, so they allow... They're creatives to create. Mm-hmm. And that's why their films always seem different. The aesthetics are different. The themes are different. Uh, like Moonlight was really colorful and bright. And mm-hmm. the rover was really dark and desolate and took place in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And these these really crazy stories. Uh, and they're allowed to do that because even something like Ex Machina. Like how do you yeah. explain that to someone without them trying to over budget it or make it, you know, 
make it Terminator, right? You, you, <laughs> Seriously. You, you know what I mean? So you, you're going to an independent studio that understands independent filmmaking and creatives, you know, giving them the, the power to create. And so they, they do a really good job of empowering their directors and their writers just to come up with interesting stories. So that's why every time you see a film from A24, there's nothing that looks like it in the theater. There's always going to be something different. Mm-hmm. I think where this movie goes wrong is the way they're advertising it. Yes. Um, yep. But outside of that, it's fine. It's, it's a fine. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, uh, before we get into our official ratings of, of the film, uh, the thing that kept coming to my head throughout the movie and and after the film is this was kind of the definition to me of intentional filmmaking. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean, there were no wasted shots. Every Everything that the director did served a purpose. Everywhere the camera went served a purpose. That is a feat in and of itself. And so just that type of intentional filmmaking where he had a plan, maybe it changed over time, but the finished product it just from beginning to end nothing was wasted there were some weird scenes that kind of did not really make sense but even if they are visions or dreams or whatever but within the context of the film everything pieced together mm-hmm. i'd agree uh so yeah so it comes at night which is in theaters now uh directed by Trey edward schultz and has a bunch of people joel edgerton uh, Carmen Jogo, who she was great. I really, great. I really liked her. The thing, all of these characters felt real. They felt flawed. They felt fleshed out in in ways that, again, just made sense. Uh, so yeah, onto onto the rating. Since you set this one up, Tim, good, bad, or ugly, what are you giving I'm going it first. at night? Of course, you're going first. Uh, <laughs> I give it a good. I give it a good. I think I think it's good. I just think it's not what people are going to expect. Mm-hmm. And so that may hit people in the wrong space. If they see it, they might be like, you know, more disappointed or let down uh, if they're expecting some super-duper horror film. Because you know, the problem with that is we've had some really good horror come out recently. Mm-hmm. So I think people will go on with the expectation that it's going to be something like It Follows or You're Next or, mm-hmm. you know. Or whatever, right? But it's not that. But it's still a good movie. It's something you can watch um, at home. You don't necessarily have to rush out to the theaters to see it. But it's, you know, I think most people do watch it. Uh, but make sure you have something to watch afterwards. You get to, like, chase it with a comedy or something. Like, watch <laughs> Rick and Morty or something afterwards. Don't just watch that and go to bed. Oh, no. That is a terrible idea. What we used to do, this is back in college, is I would always have people over for movie nights. And then we would talk about the films. Weird. How did John get into podcasting? Anyway, right. um, but what we would do is after we would watch a couple scary movies in a row, we would then watch like Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or something like that just as like a palate cleanser. This this film in particular requires a palate cleanser. Yeah, absolutely does. Uh, and yeah, Ab- my, my official rating for it, uh, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 I will agree with Tim again that it might not be one that you have to see in theaters, but I still absolutely give this movie a good because it was a, it was a solid film. And the the misdirection of the advertising campaign, I am not going to put on the director or anybody in this film. That was out of their right. hands. And that was the weirdest choice of this entire movie. 
Right, it's such an odd choice. Yeah, like bill it as a psychological thriller or a mystery, which it absolutely fits those descriptions, but a horror. Right. Yeah, I still am not sure. Yeah, words mean things. So you're setting up an expectation when you're telling people it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think but all these blurbs about it being scary. I'm like, what do we? What did I watch a different movie? It's not scary. <laughs> there were a couple, uh, ten like I mean, just yeah, tense moments where you're not sure There's what was going on. A couple tense moments, yeah. Um, especially there were moments where you felt like, or I felt like, it was leading you to what could be described as like one of those horror moments, right? And it did not go there. Yeah, exactly. So I think the next big horror movie coming out. Is going to be it. Yeah. That's going to scare me. Oh, oh, for sure. That movie terrified me when I was a kid. So, of course, it is going to terrify me now. Yeah, that's going to be great. I can't wait. Um, no, I don't know. I have to disagree. Oh, yeah? The next big, yeah, I think the next big horror movie is Transformers, The Last Night. It's <laughs> <laughs> the next big one. Oh, man. I was, it's going to scare a lot of people. I was not even going to talk about that, but we could talk about that real quick. Um... Here's a little inside baseball that we might have mentioned before. This is not always the case, but generally, the closer the advanced screening is to the release date, the more nervous the critics get. And Tim and I were just talking today about uh, Transformers comes out on Thursday or Wednesday the 21st. We have not heard anything. Then we got uh-huh. an email about the U.S. premiere is coming out 24 hours beforehand. So, yeah, that that is going to be interesting. Yeah, interesting <laughs> indeed. So we will see if it lives up to the hype of the, the next big horror movie of the summer. Yep. Uh, s- switching gears to a movie that I feel like almost had scarier moments in it than it comes at night oh it uh, definitely did and that would be the mummy starring tom cruise directed by alex kurtzman uh, it also starred sophia butella or on this podcast and other podcasts will forever and always be known as blady legs blady, blady legs <laughs> for her portrayal of a character in kingsman secret service um okay so you set up it comes at night i will Set up this movie, which does not not really need that much of a setup. So this is the mummy, people. Uh, Everybody knows kind of the general story of the mummy. This one, of course, took the twist. I say that so loosely and ironically of making the mummy a female and the dynamic of how that is different and what happens from there. Actually, the other twist is... You know, is Tom Cruise's character is Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Plays Nick or J- Jake or something. He's got a he's he's Tom Cruise essentially. He's Tom Cruise <laughs> running around. He's like a soldier, but he's also steals antiques. Is he a soldier though? Because yeah, he's like in the military. Because remember the, the um, uh, what's his name shows you know, up. His buddy is in the military. I never, I never realized, I never figured out exactly if Tom Cruise was as well. Yeah, because 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 uh, uh, Sterling K. Brown gives him an, an, an is, that, is that Sterling K. Brown? No, what's his Courtney name? Courtney B. Vance. Courtney B. Vance. Wow, sorry, I get my black people mixed up. My apologies. <laughs> uh, Courtney B. Vance gives him like an order when he, when they're like at the beginning of the movie when they discover the tomb. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
blah, 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 whatever. This is an order. The usual, I'm an authoritative military person. I'm giving someone under me an order. It's that little scene. So he gives him an order. So I'd assume if he was a civilian, he couldn't give him an order like that. I'd mm-hmm. assume he was a military as well. Anyway, uh, my favorite action star, Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. is in the military, builds antiques. And he does, if you've ever read any history books, he does what most people uh, like him do, which is whatever they want. So mm-hmm. he decides he's going to do whatever's happening in the tomb and release this mummy. But part of that, again, it cursed him and made him the chosen one. That's a twist. So whoever frees the mummy is the chosen one. And the chosen one isn't like you don't get any fun coupons or anything. She's going <laughs> to take a knife and stab you and bring set to life. And mm-hmm. You're going to be a vessel for some evil spirit. Um, but it, it somehow gives him, they don't explain much, but it gives him, he can't die? He's I gonna die in a plane crash and he doesn't die because of it? I guess. But again, like, this is, this is one of those films where the trailers and everything leading up to it and all of the... The, the marketing behind it because this is a huge huge movie for universal pictures because it, oh. it is the it is the kickoff for this whole dark universe relaunch of all of the classic universal monster movies i mean they are all in on this dark universe nonsense oh for sure like the beginning of the film when it's like the universal logo comes around and like it keeps spinning and it's like the dark universe it's like, yo you guys really came up with some graphics for this, like, this is mm-hmm. well not only that but at one point uh, when they release like a behind the scenes, not even not even behind the scenes, it was a photo shoot um, of like the rest of the cast for the next five years, and they it was like that, that, that little video where they all talked about movie monsters. Yeah, this was dumb. This is that gets to my bigger point. The problem with the film, which we'll get to, but mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. cruises, what you end up is you end up in, get introduced to what the prodigium, whatever, mm-hmm. which is which is like this, Russell uh, Crowe is like. It's like Fat Nick Fury, and he's <laughs> – Hashtag he's, Fat he's, Nick Fury. Yeah, he, he's leading this group at the Prodigium who, like, study all this darkness and then blah, blah, blah. But he's also Dr. Jekyll. Mm-hmm. But when he turns to, like, Mr. Hyde, it's not even, like, a anything cool. He just, like nope. – He gets really veiny and, like, he has a bad accent. It's so stupid. Anyway, so – He basically turns into, like, when he when – he, he has to keep stabbing himself with these needles – to control the monster. Yeah. But like he's on meth, essentially. Well, that or he, like, he's just roiding out. Like when you see mm-hmm. those dudes at the gym just all yoked out with veins popping out everywhere. Yeah, that is him. So to, yeah, a bit too much creatine in that injection that you just put in yourself. Man, I was looking at him. I was like, man, it's been a long time since Gladiator, man. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. A minute. He has not seen the gym. Good for him, though, man. He's eating good. He's, he's living life. Like, I'm happy for him. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, so, you know, so what you end up with is is Tom Cruise's character, Nick, trying to stop the mummy before the mummy gets this knife and this jewel that are separated to, like, kill him and bring Set to life. And then you have the mummy trying to find these pieces and then mm-hmm. kill Tom Cruise. And then you've got um, uh, uh, with the prodigium people trying to contain the mummy. So it's this sort of this game that they're all running around. It's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then you, but one of the cool things I liked was, you know, Tom Cruise's friend played by Jake Johnson dies yes. early on in the film. Not a spoiler. It should be. Mm-hmm. But. He comes back in these visions, kind of like the Merry World from London, where the guy shows up and is kind of like guiding him along and telling him 
doing tons of exposition about what's happening. Like, oh, she needs you, and oh, you're wanted, and you can't survive her, and you can't run, and look, this way, Nick, and guiding him. Mm-hmm. But that was really cool, and then they completely go away from it at the end of the film. Yep. They completely, like, abandoned that thing, and it was it was funny. It made the film feel kind of different, uh, and they just left it. Well, my it, real problem is the end of the film, John. <laughs> uh-huh. That's where my problem lies. Mm-hmm. We get to the third act of the film, and in most third act structures, this is where the mummy or whoever, whatever villain monster X mm-hmm. takes on the bad, the good guy, and the good guy wins by some ridiculous thing, right? Mm-hmm. This mummy is all powerful, yep, and yet, you know, Nick gets to go square up with the mummy and, and have a fair fight. Okay, so the mummy's gonna shoot the fair one with Nick. That's fine. I'll I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. But. The movie goes further. Mm-hmm. Not to spoil it, but something really stupid happens with Nick, and the most most of the third act is them is like this exposition about the mo- the shared monster universe. It's been a bulk of that final fight scene, setting up six other movies that aren't even in production. Nope, that have been they, cast for whatever reason. Yeah. This ahead of ahead of things. But yeah, we have not seen hide nor hair of any of the other movies, not even a poster. And yet they're like, but here's this, here's this, here's this. Yeah, it's so dumb. And I was like, I was sitting there like, what are we doing? And then Russell Crowe gets this stupid voiceover about Nick and like, oh, he, who knows what he is now? He's going to be this, like they're telling you like he's going to be this connective thread through all these movies. And his friend shows up again at the end and he's like, thanks for saving me. How did he save him? (laughs) <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> right. When did he save his friend? How was he? How was he, how was he just human now on a horse? Mm-hmm. This is stupid. This is stupid. Universal. I don't know what. Like I don't know why Universal didn't just make a monster movie. Say, you know what? We're gonna do a monster movie. And you no, know, I'm saying in my review, it, it works for Marvel because Marvel saves all that alley ooping of their other films for the post credits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Say, we're gonna make Iron Man in the post credit. We're gonna give you all this. We're going to lead you down this yellow brick road to some other movie. Yep. That's when we're going to do this moment. We're not going to stuff our third act with all this exposition about what's to come. It's because it's, it's, it takes away from your movie. And I don't think they really had a movie. I don't think they 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 didn't want to do a conventional monster film. But I think with Tom Cruise, with Sophia Boutella, who I think is great as a mummy, uh, and with, some, with their supporting cast, I think it was good enough for them to stick to their guns. Do a quasi-traditional monster movie mm-hmm. and have people just sort of enjoy some cool special effects and, you know, but no, instead they went some other bizarre, like, nutso route and tried to, like, cram in this other monster stuff. It was just dumb. Yeah, Might it... Had Dracula show up. What was that? Might as well just have Dracula show up and be like, hey, what's up? I'm in on this fight now. Which, Cause, in one of the trailers, when they're kind of going through the Prodigium's uh, yeah. lab and you see in the jar... Things that get me really excited because I love the Universal Pictures monster movies. You see uh, an arm of the creature from the Black Lagoon. So I was like, okay, apparently the creature from the Black Lagoon is not going to be in this next right. universe. You also see At some a, point you cut off his arm. Right. And then you see a skull with fangs in it. Uh, here is one thing that I was glad they did not do. So I will give them the, the littlest amount, the smallest amount of credit i was waiting for tom cruise's character whose name is nick morton uh aka just the blandest name ever My, like his name should just be generic action star absolutely 
Um, I love Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise is great. But what I was glad they did not do is at some point reference him being like, well, you know, Nick, you you come from this line of Van Helsing's. I was I was oh, I was no. so yeah. glad that they did I not walk. I might have walked out, <laughs> but they were getting real close with all of this layering that they were trying to do and that they just kept hitting you heavy with. I was like, please do not do that. And they did not yet, um, which is good. But if they do, you heard it here first. Nick Morton is some sort of Van Helsing. Descendant. Oh, God, you know, they're going to do that. Like, oh, how did you survive this bull crap we put into the movie? <laughs> Oh, it's because you've got it's in your DNA. You've got something. You've got a lineage of the Van Helsings. I can see them doing something stupid like that because they're gonna have to explain why he's in all these movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's the thing: it's killing overseas. Of course, crushing it overseas. Which I don't know. I, I think the stink might be on these movies, so I don't know how people how they're gonna keep people on. They've got to really like figure out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of got that stench of like. You guys tried something and it just didn't work out like you thought it was. Yeah, and Alex Kurtzman, the the director, I love Alex Kurtzman. Like as a producer, he has been attached to a ton of, of really good projects. As a director, this is only his second directing credit. What what he directed? Um, People like uh, us. Yes, that's him and Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good movie. People like us is one of my is a really actually have you seen that before? People I, like us, I have not. Um, solid, it's a solid movie. But you know he's attached to like Fringe, which is one of my favorite shows, a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think he has an eye for things. I I don't I do think a Mummy reboot in theory and some of the, so, sort of like the nuts and bolts of the film that they have, so the skeleton of it is fine and it it, it works right. The casting was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story was okay. It's just that the execution was so poor. It was so poor. Yeah. Especially at the end of the movie. It just sort of sucks the life out of the film. There's no reason it should be boring. Seriously. And people will, you know, will already kind of be comparing this for an unfair reason. Do I go, oh, but the Brendan Fraser one, this and that. You have to realize the Brendan Fraser ones knew that they were going to be parodies. They knew it was was just going to be this over-the-top, silly mummy movie. That actually the first one, I gotta admit, I really like. Second one, I still kinda liked. Third one, garbage. Oh, but, you mean the one with his son? Uh, and that that was the one with and, uh, Jackie Chan, the, I think. Jack, oh, come on, don't be racist. It wasn't Jackie Chan. Uh, it was Jet Li. Oh, oh so, sorry. Okay. Sorry to our Asian brothers and sisters. Uh it says the man Jet, who confused Jet. Courtney B. Vance with somebody else. They're both in the OJ show. I have, you know, and I'm black, so I get to get away with it. Wow. Rude. I can say, say it was Cuba Gooden Jr. <laughs> I don't know. I don't um, know. But yeah, so <laughs> when, the, when the mummy, people will look back on that one and be like, it wasn't that one. You are right. You are absolutely right. It was not that one. They're two completely different things. This one really tried to be a serious take on this mummy thing. And I just am not sure where they go from here. That was one of the things I said when I came out of the movie is like, yeah. The studio rep was standing there and she was like, John, what did you think? And my quote to her was, I have no idea what they are doing. I mean, that, I mean, that's, that's like a larger issue, right? Which mm-hmm. is, which is, I don't know. Right. Say, say this, say they execute this movie. Well, mm-hmm. right. It's just people like it and they enjoy it. They're like, yo, that was dope. Okay. How, 
what is this what is the shared universe pointing to? Like what is it? Mm-hmm. Right, and I don't know if they have an answer for that. I think they feel like, hey, look at Marvel. They've got a shared universe, and it seems to be making money, and people yep. seem to love it. Let's try the same. Well, you've got to figure out where where your universe is going. What's the, what's the point of the shared universe? Or what is it to connect them? Is it Tom Cruise? That seems to come. It should be Prodigium, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that should be, you know, they can kind of be the shield, the fake shield organization that sort of connects everything. And they show up, and they're endure doing investigations, and... You know, you could have other people, part of Prodigium, who sort of just pop in and say, hey, I work with Prodigium, we're investigating the creature of the Bakugun, or we've heard about Dracula, and they can mm-hmm. they can be the nerdy people who give all their exposition about who these creatures are and all the backstory. That works. But instead, you want to sell movies with Tom Cruise, so you make him this linchpin, and it just doesn't work. You end up with a, an overstuffed story where now you have, a, you have Tom Cruise and someone else as two main characters in the film. You've got to find a way to have him interact with these monsters, mm-hmm. and it's just it doesn't work. And it sounded like a terrible idea on paper, I'm sure, but it's it's hard to say no in those rooms. I guess yeah. it's hard. Well, especially again, you get Tom Cruise attached to a movie where he gets to be Tom Cruise. The yeah, I mean the Tom Cruisiest of Tom Cruises. He gets to run. He gets to do a stunt that he prepared a year for. Which, I'm so disappointed he was never on a motorcycle in this film. I I, I know. Kind of, you and I were kind of going through our Tom Cruise bingo checklist. Maybe uh, that scene got cut. Maybe it got cut for time. Right. Oh, yeah, like, right. They got to be on a motorcycle. They did not cut anything from this film. This film was already just, there was so and, much and going I, on. If I'm honest, I wanted to see more of Lady Legs as the mummy because I thought she had a look about her. I thought she mm-hmm. prepared herself well as a mummy. And she does the normal mummy thing where, like, oh, I'm unleashing hell on modern day with mm-hmm. all these plagues and sandstorms. It's by the book, but I thought, you know, Here. the way she carried herself was was dope. And I want to see more of her sort of, you know, turning people into little mummies and running around. Yeah, here here's my thing with, with that. How come in all of these mummy movies, maybe it is because they are ascended or whatever how come none of them just show up in whatever modern period it takes place in and are surprised by anything they're like oh my gosh what are these moving giant vehicles that look like wheels like why are they not surprised by the modern world they just kind of roll with it and just being like ah it is okay i have sandstorms and i got some rats and everything at some point this out of time out of place mummy (laughs) i would love to see them get a moment being like uh, what is happening? Like for them to look surprised and not just being like, "Nah, I, I got this." That was just kind of weird. The other thing I don't that, that also is is true with, with all the mummy movies and and most monster films is they spend the beginning of the movie setting up how powerful these mummies are. Mm-hmm. And you see them doing these things, and then they they get in a fight with these mortals, and it's like an even fight. Yep. How is that even possible? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She made a she made a sandstorm with her face in it. Twice. And yet somehow you're able to fight her. Mm-hmm. And they made a point to say she's in his head. And she's leading him around. And yet she's like, ah, forget all those parlor tricks. I'm just going to fight you like a man. I'm like, no. Yeah. Kill, kill him. Mm-hmm. You came here to kill him. Just kill him. I, uh, and oh, and also the forced love story. I forgot. That made me want to throw up. Oh, the man. Forced that was bad. Love story. Because, you know, when we meet uh guy, what's her name? What's the uh, girl who works for Prodigy? Jen- Jenny Halsey, played by Annabelle Wallace. 
Okay, so I, listen, I like Annabelle Wallace. I think she's fine as her character. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is we're introduced to her. What we find out is that her and Nick kind of slept together one night, and Nick stole a map from her. That's mm-hmm. all we know. He's even de- he's even in denial about that, and they're joking about how long together oh, they spent so some bad. weird sex joke. Okay, right. It's a forced sex joke about, oh, how long did you last? It was a quick two minutes, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. It's silly PG-13 sex joke for a film. I'm 100% okay with that. What I'm not okay with is later on in the film, he acts like he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. He Why? acts like he will he acts like he will sacrifice the world for her and it was like uh what? Like how are we supposed to believe that if they had done the kind of uh storyline the, where they they, they the spent one world, night together after the world for her. Oh yeah. But like if they had spent a couple months together in college or something and then had not seen each other, had a one night tryst. Sure. Whatever. This is literally like we slept together. You stole some crap, but you love me enough to sacrifice the world. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. I, I listen. I'm on record as saying how much I love Logan Browning. Right. Yeah. Yes. She, very she, much. She, she just might have to drown. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sacrificing the world. Like, there's other women out here. I'm sorry, Logan. I'm you just mm-hmm. I don't know how that's gonna work out. Yeah. But he it's it's just it's so dumb. Because he, you know and and I don't care about any of these characters, right? I don't care about him or her enough to to like when they when they force this moment of like, oh my gosh, she cares about her and he's you know, he wants to make sure she's okay. None of it even sticks because mm-hmm. it's so dumb and contrived. Like yeah. Why? Why? why it, this guy's a thief and he's a liar and he's selfish. Why are we not all of a sudden supposed to pretend that he has some some heart of gold for a woman that he slept with one night? Mm-hmm. And they haven't even even the time past past that of sleeping together. They've just been trying to not die from the mummy. Yeah. They they have not spent that I'm time on, bonding or yeah. They've been like nope. <laughs> being and also she watched him die in a plane crash and come back to life and no one even really questions it. That She's was like, weird. hey, how'd you survive the plane crash? She's like, I don't know. And then was like, all right, well. <laughs> that seems I, normal. To, let's go to Starbucks. Like, no, you should have died in that plane crash. <laughs> yeah, she mentioned you it were, once. They walk, like, they walk in the morgue and he's standing up with a bunch of other dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And no one seems to question how that's even possible. Yep. No one in the room. Well, I and I get it's it. not normal, that, like, guy. She, <laughs> they kind of layer it where because of association, professional associations, she has that maybe she is used to some supernatural stuff but when she says hey i'm i'm just trying but when she was like you you did that without a scratch on you okay never mind (laughs) like yeah that that was that was one of the many weak threads it's the weakest thread because it's part of this third act where they're trying to make you feel for these characters it's 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 beyond dumb. And, like, the movie should be smarter than that. I don't expect mm-hmm. it to be, like, highbrow action and, like, you know, some next-level stuff. But, man, you're, the movie's smarter than that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it disappointed on a lot of levels. I don't think – I don't know if we're going to get another one of these movies, if I'm honest. Uh, with how well it has done overseas, because so far in the States, <laughs> it is it is dying. Uh, uh Yeah. Overseas, it is is crushing it. So it is like, I'm excited to see this dark universe plan, but I I just, I do not know what they're doing with it. 
Yeah. Yeah, the mummy. You know, here's the other thing. Like, you you wasted a good character in with Sophia Botella as the mummy. You just trashed her. It, it, you took a character have... <laughs> and just like wasted it in the movie. Yeah, it became a Tom Cruise. It became a Tom Cruise movie with a, the, um, like a mummy adjacent stuff in it. With some side characters, for sure. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, it could. It didn't have to be the mummy. It could have been any other thing that he's just chasing him around. Could have been people. Mm-hmm. Could have been a hitman. It could have been whatever. It just happens to be a mummy, and so that's his thing. Yeah. Now, what did you think of? Because it would not be a Tom Cruise movie without some ridiculous yeah. stunt that he refuses to let anybody else do, regardless of what the insurance people say. What did you yeah. think of the, uh, car or not cargo plane, but the plane. interior plane action the, set piece? The zero, the, yep. The G, zero G, zero G thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. It's just, it feels like a waste. Cause the movie sort of, you know, lets, lets it down. None mm-hmm. of the stunts really stand out too much. I mean, that's the one stunt. And it only stands out because they keep telling us about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's fine. The movie didn't need it. The movie could have—they could have just been on a regular plane and had a plane crash. Like it didn't. Add, it's not like Mission Impossible where these stunts add to the film, but like he's running across a building, exactly, or he's hanging outside of a plane, mm-hmm. or whatever. That—that um, that was how I kind of felt about it. Is that in all of these Tom Cruise movies, you have that that scene, but in most of them, it it kind of fits. Even if it is ridiculous, it fits. This one. It just they wasted a lot of time on it and it looked cool, but then for that to be the only major set piece other than him holding his breath for what seems like ten minutes underwater. Oh Jesus, yes, he's underwater forever. Which I mean, I'm sure somebody is going to be like, Well, because he was resurrected, blah blah shut up. Yeah, out. who cares? Who cares? He, like what? That's the other thing with that stupid power they gave him, like he he's never really dead. So what's the what are the stakes? Why do mm-hmm. I care that someone quote unquote kills him? Like yeah, exactly, we watch him die, or not really watch him die. We see the plane go down. Then we see him wake up in the morgue. So it is like, okay, so if he survived that because he is the chosen one, if that like if that is the case, then how can't yeah? It was that that was a mess. Yeah, it's pretty much a mess. I'm sorry. Sorry, Tom Cruise fans and Mummy fans. It's a uh, bit of a mess. Could have been better. Very, very much so. Uh, okay, so to the rating system, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, I will go first. Um, I I do not want to give this an ugly because uh, okay. I want to see where they go with this Dark Universe thing. But at the same time... This film only had a few redeeming qualities. Uh, some of the shots looked great. Some of the effects were really cool. There were not very many of them. I, I mean, as far as what you see in the in the trailers, you pretty much see in the film. Um, uh, I will give it a a bad, but a really low bad on the cusp of of ugly because it is almost a complete skip. I think that if people are interested in this dark universe they will need to watch this to get some backstory. And because of that, that is the only reason it is bad and not ugly. What you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a bad. I think if okay. you're trying to create some shared universe, uh, it's a really bad first step. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a misstep. It's a missed opportunity. It's a waste of talent on screen. It's a jumbled mess at the end of the film. 
it tries to do more than it needs to. Right? It's like it's like having a guy on your team who you're like, hey man, your whole job is to shoot three pointers and play defense, and then the guy's trying to go behind his back and like, <laughs> you're like, what are you doing, man? That's not your job. I need you just to stand in the corner and shoot three. So this movie. Had it just stood in the corner and shot three-pointers, it's fine and everyone's okay. We can build a team around it. Mm-hmm. When it tries to do anything outside of its skill set, it just fails miserably. It seems like a character of other movies we've already seen. Uh, so it just yeah. it's, it's, it kind of just tries to be like uh, you know bigger than itself, mm-hmm. you know, especially at the end. And yeah. I don't know whose decision that was, but it's a dumb decision. I hope we don't get any more of these movies. <laughs> um, yeah, they can't. You know, they tried it with Dracula Untold, and that didn't work. Oof, just yeah, just stop. Just stop with the movies. I hope Tom Cruise does another Mission Impossible film mm-hmm. and continues his career that way. And does Edge like he's gonna do Mission Impossible? He's gonna do Edge Tomorrow too. Mm-hmm. He'll be fine. Great. Jake yeah. Johnson will be fine, and Blade Legs will be fine. She's in. She's in Atomic Blonde. Everyone's oh, yeah. going to be okay. Nice. Yeah, she's in Atomic Blonde, so she'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, I like your basketball analogy. I just do not want it to look like DJ Khaled when he was trying to shoot three pointers, yeah. um, which was yeah. the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, you know, like you got the first shot, shot, man, brother. You get out there, you shoot one, you miss. Oh no, it was my jacket. Let me take this jacket off. You just whiff like three more times. Anyway, um, listen, <laughs> listen. Khaled's adorable son has bought him so much grace with being stupid. He has <laughs> just bought him like four more years of just being annoying because they're like, oh, but his son is so cute. They have they have matching outfits and he smiles all the time. All right. That's it. Yeah. I swear to you. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that that about wraps it up. So, to recap. Uh, whoa, 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 oh, whoa, oh. whoa. Wait, wait a minute. What? I feel disre- I feel disrespected right now. What? Are we not going to talk about the Black Panther trailer? Uh, we we're, we're gonna get to that after I recap the movies we talked about. Uh, I, I was I Oof. was a little stressed out. <laughs> so to recap the movies we talked about, uh, I talked about the Paris Opera as part of Seattle International Film Festival. It was this beautiful documentary, and one of the other things that I forgot to mention this during my review of it, this documentary really benefited by already having beautiful set and design work to then shoot around. Sometimes with documentaries, they kind of struggle to find those those key shots that people were going to latch on to. With this one, it took place in an opera company, so it was already engaging. They already had this sense of wonder and merriment to then work around. So that was awesome. Uh, there were also two other things I forgot to mention. The stagehands singing in the wings. So you have like the stage director and her assistant watching the opera they have seen this opera a million times because they have to know all the lighting cues, all the sound effect cues. To see them singing in the wings was an, was an awesome moment. Uh, and then the film ended with the cleaning crew just kind of going through, cleaning the seats and everything. It was this really sweet moment. And the, the cleaning crew, like that is, those are the unsung heroes of any theater crew because once the actors leave... Then they like there's a whole different crew that comes in to get the show ready for the next thing. So, but yeah, so I, I gave that an absolute good for the Paris Opera. Uh, we talked about It Comes at Night from A24, which we both gave a good, uh, not necessarily something you need to see in the theater, but definitely solid. Another solid outing by A24. And we talked about The Mummy, which 
had a ton of problems. It did not get an ugly, but it got two very low bads. Uh, now, Tim Hall, People's Critic, tell me about hey. the trailer that just came out recently. <laughs> I don't know if you've been on the internet this weekend, but a trailer <laughs> dropped for Marvel Studios' Black Panther, directed mm-hmm. by the one and only Ryan Coogler, starring Chadwick Boseman and every other black actor in Hollywood. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it it looks it looks you know you know my first impression was I didn't expect it to look colorful I didn't know what I expected but all of the colors mm-hmm. really popped and I was like yo this looks like looks funky like in a in a cool way yeah uh, they didn't really show a lot of Black Panther in the trailer you know it sort of opens with Claw and 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 Evan Ross talking and Claw's telling Ross about hey man. What do you know about Wakanda? And mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a front. They're really this rich country, and I'm the only one. The one thing I thought that was really funny that he said was like, "I'm the only one to get inside and make it out alive." Mm-hmm. Which tells me people have tried to get inside and have not made it out alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes into like it's just showing a lot of the Dormalaje. Am I? I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Uh, Dormalaje. Yeah. Dormalaje. Uh, a lot of his, a lot of that, a lot of their action. It shows. Um, Eric Killmonger, you know, betraying some people, and yeah, it just looks like a lot of fun. It, it I'm, looks, I'm, I'm excited. I'm oh, happy yeah. for Coogler, man. I'm oh. so happy for that dude. Yeah, it, it is happy, going to be it, pretty. Oh, go ahead. Saying, it, it seems surreal because I still can't believe we're actually getting a Black Panther movie that's showing Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Like, if you told me this ten years ago, I would have laughed in your face. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, uh, Black Panther movie, uh, starring James Earl Jones. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they, you know, it looks like Marvel and everybody else has really put a lot into it, man. And they're 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 all in on it. They're not treating it like some subpar film. Uh, between the cast and all these other people, like seeing other actors who aren't even in the film excited about it, uh, made me excited because they're you know, it's just their peers looking at this work and be like, yo, that looks dope. For sure. I mean, and it looks incredible because the from what we see in the trailer, you know, it looks like it is kind of going to focus on, you know, five or seven different African tribes, each represented yeah. by a different animal totem. Okay. So to focus on that and to show, like you said, the colors and how dynamic everything is and the mix of traditional African clothing to then you look at Eric Killmonger and some of the stuff T'Challa wears that is much more modern and has some tech in it or, you know, it looks totally different to see that range of costuming, to see that range of culture, man, I cannot wait for this movie. Um, if you had an animal totem, what would it be? Oof. Uh, I mean, one of my nicknames has always been Ninja Monkey, so it might have to be that. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Slow down. Oh, one of your nicknames is what? Now? Ninja Monkey. Where does that come from? Is that like a Bubbles thing? Where's that from? No, Ninja Monkey, it basically, I mean, I was always climbing trees. I was always doing stuff. Took martial arts. Like, you know, it was just one of those All things. Right. What, about you? what about you? Probably like a potato bug. I don't know. <laughs> Just a pill bug know. that rolls up when it gets scared. Pill bug, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, You're real not... sneaky though. Real sneaky. It just shows up in your house. Like, how'd you get here? Wow. Yeah, I feel like I mean that would. I feel like that was like the fourth member of Diggable Planets. Potato bug. There was Doodle Bug. Probably. You know. <laughs> you know. Over wow. there in freestyle. Uh, 
I think you. I think what you said about the film is, is absolutely correct. I, and I've seen some complaints. And one of my coworkers was like, "I've seen some black people talking. About, you know, he's like, he wants to talk about black people stuff with me, <laughs> right? I've seen course. some black people talk. They're yeah, right. They're not happy with the spears in the film. And I was like, oh what? My gosh. Okay. I was like, that's Wakanda. Like, mm-hmm. and also if you've ever been to Africa, there's cities in Africa, mm-hmm. like regular cities, and there's also a lot of heritage in Africa. They both coexist in the same city, mm-hmm. and that's Wakanda, like on extreme levels, right? It's a city that's super high tech and got all this equipment and vibranium and technology, and it's also very rooted in their heritage because it's, it's a very insulated country. Absolutely, and, and that's if you've ever read the comics, that's that's the country. Mm-hmm. So why would, why seeing people with spears in the trailer upset you? I don't know. So dumb. Yeah, that, 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 it makes that's no what sense. Happens. That's what happens when these comic books become popular with people. You get people who don't know the source material, who aren't aware of what's in the comics, who have strong opinions about it, mm-hmm. um, and want to say and, and make all these cultural ideas about what it should be and what what they're reflecting and what they're not reflecting. It's like, man, just stop. Like, yep. It's not. Yeah, not, that's not what they're doing. Yeah. So I mean, I I'm all the way in for this movie, even though. Like the crazy comic book nerd that I am, uh, Andy Serkis, who plays Claw in this, his arm is not the right arm that should be chopped off. So he lost his left arm in the movies. Claw actually had his right arm severed, and that became his sonic device. But that is just me being ridiculous. So he's uh, going to get something attached to that arm during the film, I imagine. Oh, 100%. Well, Claw, I, I could go into a whole thing with that, but I'm not going to. But yes, he had... Uh, he had this attachment, I, I will say. It was a vibranium sonic converter that allowed him to do a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, so he will get something like that for sure. Does he get that from Killmonger? Ooh. Uh, yes. I think that I think that Killmonger will recognize that Claw got out somehow, some way. And be like, okay, you're the only outsider who knows their way in. How can we work together? And then I might not be able to be connected to you. Do one of those things. Yeah. Except it is, it is going to be vibranium. So they're going to be like, yeah, that place that it only like that one element comes from one place. We know where you got that. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we will see about that. But Man, it yeah, looks incredible. This might be one of the only new movies where they could come out with a new trailer every two months and i will watch every single one absolutely yeah i, I keep i watched it i watched the one that's out now a ton i watched it this morning mm-hmm. just gets you gets you pumped up for the morning <laughs> i was tweet i tweeted that i was mad they didn't play in church on sunday <laughs> look around the church like for real we're not gonna watch the trailer you guys we just finished praise and worship this is the perfect way to, to leave church but you know well maybe, i guess maybe, i'm on my i'm on my on own mm-hmm. on my own i'm with that yeah nice it's gonna People are going to act so stupid when that film... I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a blast when that film opens. People are going to be in the theaters acting crazy. Can't yeah. wait. We will, we will definitely do a Black Panther retrospective closer to the release date and go over all of the need-to-know information. Oh, I, I, I might take the day of the screening off and just like meditate on blackness. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. 
what does the Stanley cameo look like in this film? Oh man, we talked about. <laughs> I'm serious. Like the Stanley we know he's cameo. not going to be in blackface. No, he's not going to be in blackface. Nope. No, I think what they're going to do because again, Wakanda is a nation of technology and history and culture, but it is still connected to the outside world. It might not be connected. That outside world might, might not be connected to Wakanda, but Wakanda is connected to them. So I think at some point on a TV screen or something like that, they will be interviewing Stan Lee, you know, at some at something else. So I think you will see it on a monitor. I do not believe you will see him in real life in Wakanda. Okay, I would just love to see him as like a raging racist in the film. Uh, yeah, that is not going to happen. <laughs> Would be so good. No, but I think they're gonna either have him during the casino sequence in when they're in Seoul, or at the UN as like a security Ooh. guard or like a reporter who asks a question or something. Yeah, I okay. Yeah, so I I will clarify. We will not see Stanley in Wakanda. We will see him. That would be in, so good in the outside like, world, like selling ice cream in Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so good. That would be pretty amazing, but. Yeah, this, definitely not. Definitely no Stanley in blackface, though. That's not. No, happening. this is the only one where they kind of have to be sensitive with his cameo to figure out. All right, how do we do this so it is not ridiculous? But I also heard that there's a there's a, maybe a flashback of like of um, T'Challa going to America for the first time. Okay, we might get him there. Hmm. Which, if it is a flashback. And Stanley is the same age he is now. That could go to further the suspicion that Stanley is one of it's the Watchers. Working for the Watchers, absolutely. We saw that in Guardian. Well, we, he was not necessarily working. He was t- telling them stories, which who knows? Yeah, all right. That that that, that could be interesting. Um, before we before we leave the show, uh, definitely a a shout out. A little bit of sad news. Uh, Adam West. The oh, yeah. what some consider the one true Batman uh, passed away recently after fighting a very short uh, battle with leukemia. Uh, man, like I maybe we will do something special on a on a future episode, you know about about Batman. But Adam West, like to some of us, he was our first Batman. Not necessarily for me because Batman '89 was one of the first movies I saw in the theater, but. I still saw it like Batman 66. The the TV show was always on yeah. TV. It was always in syndication. Yeah. I used to fake stay home from school sick to watch it at my great grandmother's house. Wow. <laughs> we, used to, we used to watch a lot. We used to watch Batman. We would watch. She loved tennis. We'd watch Wimbledon. Mm, thanks. It was Wimbledon, and I'd watch the Tour de France. I'd watch all those at her house all the time. Awesome. And Batman was one of the things that I just grew up watching. And, you know, I was thinking about Adam West's Batman, and the thing that really made him unique for me is that he was always on the phone. Always. Yep. <laughs> always. Always on the phone, like more so than any other Batman. He was always taking a phone call. And I was, and, and at the time, that was like real hip technology, was being on a phone. He had a phone in the car with a cord. A phone in the car like, with a cord on it, right? I, I like how with all of this amazing technology he had back then, they could not imagine a cordless phone. <laughs> yeah, he had a bat phone. He had a secret bat phone. Mm-hmm. He had a phone in the bat cave. He was always picking up phones in the commissioner's office. A lot of correspondence over the cell phone, over the, over the telephone. And that mm-hmm. to me was sort of his his lasting mark. Other than you know him playing a very cheesy, funny version of 
Batman and, and having a million bat gadgets just oh, putting bat man. in front of it. Shark, bat re- net, shark repellent spray. Shark mm-hmm. repellent, everything. Uh, yeah. the, the phone stuff was it's very unique to him specifically because mm-hmm. by the time we got other Batmans, that wasn't something that people just did and seemed like a cool thing to do. Uh, but at the time, it was really cool. So I, you know, hats off to him mm-hmm. for being a great Batman and, and even being able to parody himself on Family Guy all those years. Like that was really funny. Absolutely, yeah. and I think he yeah. he will be he will go down in history as the only Batman who could rock silk gloves yeah. and, and still, had that bat dance and still be threatening. <laughs> yeah, he had the bat dance before Prince did. Uh, the Batusi was actually the, the name Batusi. of that dance. Batusi, he did. Yeah. He had some really cool villains too. Like they, they were some really good actors. Oh yeah, they knocked it out of the park back then. But uh, at the same time, it killed Batman for a long time because people could not yeah. get over everything else. So when Batman '89 started production and they saw the suit for the first time, they're like, "This is not your daddy's Batman." Yeah, it's dark and Joker's killing people. And, mm-hmm. You know, everything from like the tilted screen the Dutch to tilt. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dust tilt, and they had all those those weird effects and the cameos, like Richard Pryor would pop out of a window. Cheesy cameos. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but it, it it it's funny. It's still you can watch it now. Like I can show my nephew that now. It's still entertaining enough to keep him engaged. So oh yeah, for sure. I I have on DVD. Well, I have Batman sixty six. I have Batman the movie, but I also have Scooby Doo meets Batman, which is an awesome animated uh, crossover wow. they did. I remember that. They're on a Scooby-Doo show. Yes, I remember mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. So, definitely rest in peace, uh, Adam West. Uh, anytime we lose a superhero, uh, it is it is always heartbreaking. And the amount of charity work and humanitarian work that he did, you know, he really kind of embodied what it means to, to be Batman and to give back. So, uh, yeah. So, that was Adam West. Rest in peace. Uh, I'm thinking about, like, like an updated Scooby-Doo and who would cameo on it. Oh man, like the Migos. Ugh, gross. It, the, the, the little Yachty the shows up. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what would happen. Be like Katy Perry, like fake dancing with Scooby Doo. I mean, Scooby Doo is still on TV to this day. It's on mean, Cartoon like, Network. Like a modern, like all those cool cameos they used to do. Like we'd get like the the Warriors on there, and like wow, they might be getting angry with Scooby Doo. Yeah, I'd watch that. Nice. Uh, cool. So then where can people find you, Tim Hall, the People's Critic? Oh, they can find me out here. Uh, peoplescriticblog.com. You can find my Twitter, People's Critic, uh, People, C-R-T-I-C. Snapchat, uh, People's Critic. Instagram, the same. Yeah. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking again soon about some other movies. Oh, we definitely will. Because this, we this lo- week. We got a loaded summer. This week, even, we have three screenings this week so we have on the next episode uh and tim is scheduled to be on the next episode uh we'll be talking about uh 47 meters down uh yes. we'll be talking about rough night with scarlett johansson uh, you'll be talking about rough night uh and then all eyes on me <laughs> oh which i cannot wait to talk about that Ooh, boy. i can't wait to talk about did you see that he didn't even have a bald head for the film what yeah, they gave him like a bald cap. I'm so mad. You can't even get get a bald head for it. Man, what kind of commitment? Oh, that is. Who's got to crash? I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, so that will be on the next week's on next week's episode. 
Uh, and I have been your host, that guy named John. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Blueberry, on Stitcher, Podbay. Uh, you can stream the episodes from my website, abouttoreview.com. Leave a comment, uh, leave some reviews. That would be great. Uh, and for this episode, we talked about some great films. And we will be talking about some maybe not so great films next week, but we will see. So for this episode, I've been your host, that guy named John, and you have been Yeah. There we go. And we'll... about delay. <laughs> oh no, it was fine. Again, sorry guys. This this episode has been a little bit chaotic. I had to pull Tim off the bench like a six man uh, to put this episode together for you, the loyal listeners. So thank you for, for listening through uh through all of this. And uh, yeah, for that, thank you again, Tim, and we will see you guys next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media.